Big Dumb Movie is a comedic podcast that often contains obscene language and outlandish commentary. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Big Dumb Movie. Mmm, can you smell it? There's a life force in here tonight. Do you feel it? Hmm? I look around this podcast and I see the chairman of a Fortune 500 company, Pappy. (laughs) Thank you. I see a famous rap artist, Stevie. Did you say that because Stevie's Mexican? Was that a racist thing? 100% you he did. See, I don't even know these things. 50%. I don't know if that works, but here we are. This is Corey. And uh, again, I'm joined with Stevie and Pappy. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thank you both for being on. My uh, fellow podcasters, uh, spoilers, are here on Big Dumb Movie. And we're here to discuss the 1995 Disney movie Heavyweights, a movie I love dearly. Now, did you guys grow up on this movie, Pappy? I had not seen Heavyweights in a couple years, but definitely grew up on it, loved it, was a staple on the Disney Channel, I yes. felt like. Been wanting to tell this story for a while, too. It's one of my most cringe stories of all time. Um, my first Ooh. girlfriend, Stevie, do you remember Jibber uh, Nadia? Oh, I remember. I remember. She was my, like, I was like 16 or whatever, my first girlfriend. She brought over a VHS tape, and like it was a VHS tape of a movie that she really liked, and it was Heavyweights. I'm like, oh hell yeah, let's let's watch some Heavyweights. And this particular like VHS tape had real sentimental value to her. Like she had had this particular VHS tape for like a really really long time. She was super attached to it. Like at that point, DVDs had been out for a while but like vcrs weren't weren't totally extinct at that point so you mean like this copy was like her childhood heavyweights like this exact copy not only that i think it was like even gifted to her from like a deceased relative uh, nice. or something like that so like I, I like we're both super excited to watch it sit down on the couch pop it in Five minutes into the movie, my VCR destroys the tape, like oh eats my. it alive. <laughs> and like, I, I, there's no like punchline to the story. I just felt really, really bad. And I could tell like she felt really, really bad, but was like trying to be nice about it, which made it like even worse. You know what I mean? And I couldn't even like replace the VHS tape. So like, I, like I said, there's no punchline to the story, but every time I think about heavyweights, I think about just like, ruining that poor girl's VHS tape that like her dead grandpa gave her or something and I feel so bad about it like dang Corey you you remember that like that used to be a thing like sometimes VCRs would just destroy tapes yeah it was a roll of the dice man like I sound old saying this but it's like ah you kids today don't know the shit we had to go through but it's it's kind of like that you know like you have a VHS tape you put it in it's one of the ones you watch a lot the chances keep going up and up of it getting obliterated, right? That's what happened to my only copy of Liar Liar. My no. half VHS, half DVD player, because that was all the rage back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Oh, you had a double-decker, like the combo? Yeah, it was the combo, and the VHS side literally trapped the copy of Liar Liar. It, it never... I, I couldn't play it, and I couldn't get it out either. <laughs> it just sat there until... <laughs> We got rid of that thing. It's still there to this day. 
somewhere in a landfill, or I imagine we sold it at a garage sale with somebody who got it for like a nickel. I don't know. But yeah, that was always a roll of the dice. If you were really bougie, you'd have like a specified machine that was for rewinding VHS tapes. I don't know if you guys remember that, but people I had remember s- that. Specific VHS tape rewinders, which I guess would preserve the tape better. They were better at rewinding. I clearly with with 2021 eyes, it was a scam to trick people, but at the time it seemed very important to have. Yeah, that was like a thing like video stores would have you know because they got to like pop it in and rewind it but they don't need to like watch the movie i thought it was like just for shit like that but yeah takes me back man just like this movie i was i was watching this movie and uh, of course i was just like enraptured by ben stiller as you are and uh we'll talk more about that (laughs) as we go into the movie more but uh speaking of ben stiller i like to do this as you guys know at the beginning of a podcast what do you guys think of Ben Stiller? Like, do you like him? Do you not like him? And what are some things that you have feelings about one way or the other? Stevie. I was always a fan of Ben Stiller. I think he's hilarious. I love Meet the Parents. Starsky and Hutch, I think, is very underrated. Night at the Museum, 1, 2, and 3 are all solid. Tropic Thunder, the way he wrote, produced, and starred in that is insane to me. And directed. I think he's a funny dude. I imagine he's kind of just been laying low for, you know, the past, what, six, seven years now? Because, you know, what else does he need to do besides, I guess, just produce things here and there? So I think he's a funny guy. I agree with you, although you did, like, seem to name off, like, the exact Ben Stiller movies I don't like for the most part. Whoa. (laughs) What about Dodgeball? What about Zoolander? I mean, Dodgeball is just heavyweights, Ben Stiller character, right? Like, he's just revamped. It's very similar. He just has a mustache. (laughs) Very similar. So that is cool. And and the movie overall is pretty good. But, like, in terms of, like, Starsky and Hutch, and especially the Meet the Parents movies, like, that, that cringe humor that, like... Someone said this on a podcast. They said, you know, movies like that, they can be resolved with a post-it note. Meaning, like, someone <laughs> someone could just write down, like, what the thing is that they're not saying and, like, leave it for someone. <laughs> I don't know. I, I do like some of his stuff, though. I like Zoolander a lot, right? Like, Zoolander's a classic. Like, a bona fide, hilarious classic. How can we be expected to teach children to learn how to read if they can't even fit inside the building? Derek, it's just a I don't want to hear your excuses. The center has to be at least three times bigger than this. And uh, I like the movie that he directed that he didn't star in. It was the Jim Carrey, the cable guy. Very underrated. Merman. Definitely. I mean, he has a little role in that, which is pretty good as like the... uh, uh, Stan and Sam Sweet. Like the the murder trials going on, like the OJ (laughs) fucking trial. Hi, I'm Tabitha Soren with MTV News. Today in the Sam Sweet case, the prosecution played the 911 call that Sam Sweet made the night he murdered his brother. Keep in mind, Mr. Sweet confessed one month later. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. My kid brother's been shot. I think it was an Asian gang or something. I saw someone. He looked Asian, and he was speaking another language. I'm pretty sure it was... <laughs> Tonight on UP. I also like his performance in Tenacious D as the Guitar Center guy. Okay, that is good. That's that's some deep cut stiller there. So there you go. 
That's like kind of him at his best, like some like <laughs> weirdo out of nowhere. <laughs> the pig is a tiny part of the beast, so it has supernatural qualities. Supernatural? No, supernatural. That's like a whole other level above super. Happy, what about you? Well, I mean, you guys pretty much just covered his whole catalog there. <laughs> we did a podcast on spoilers on the Meyerowitz stories. I don't know if you oh, guys yeah. have seen that. I hated that fucking movie. I thought it was I so. I thought it was so pretentious at the time, and I loved Marriage Story too. I, I like Noah Baumbach, uh, but I fucking hated that movie. It was just too like what? Do you remember? I I barely remember it, Stevie. It just felt like I said like so pretentious and just like rich people problems. It the movie. seemed like rich people problems like to a T. I mean, it just seems like if you didn't live in this certain part, you know, a certain part of New York. And experience these things where art is super important to a family. It just goes over your head. So, yeah, I did not like, care for that movie at all. But I'm with you, Corey. Zoolander was a certified classic growing up. I, I know uh, it's not his character, but the line, that Hansel is so hot right now. I say that, like, <laughs> constantly to this day. One of my favorites. <laughs> Ned didn't see Zoolander 2, though. I mean, like, I guess he's been laying row relatively, but, like, that was pretty maligned, wasn't it? I I don't know if either of you guys saw it, but people were not fans of Zoolander 2. I fell asleep. I could not bring myself to watch that movie due to the the bad reviews. So It doesn't seem like those like super late sequels uh, for comedies tend to work. Like I think it was around the same time as yes. like the Dumb and Dumber mm. sequel. And, uh, you know, I, I just couldn't watch either of them due to the reviews. And plus, generally, I don't like modern comedies and... When's your cutoff for comedies? Yeah, what, you, what year is that? Is it 99? Is it a hard? <laughs> it might be 2000. <laughs> and it's not like a like a hard set thing. Yes, it's just it like... is. Everyone knows <laughs> it is. What do you think of the first Austin Powers, Corey? Like it. There you go. <laughs> That's 1999, right? Yeah, there, and I was, I'll say this. I rewatched that last week with my wife. And the family therapy scene gets funnier and funnier the older I get, so. How do we feel about uh, There's Something About Mary? One of the few we didn't talk about. I feel like it's very okay. And it was, like, way too quoted at the time. You think it's just okay? I think it's fine, but it was one of those things where it's, like, people were just constantly, like, quoting that movie and talking about that movie. And, like, honestly... The main thing that stands out to me in my mind is like Brett Favre and the zipper thing. Or no, not Brett Favre, Dan Marino. And it was almost Brett Favre, like that story. Brett Favre. I, it is Brett Favre? Brett it Favre, is Brett Favre. Yeah. It, was yeah, Brett Favre. it was almost Dan Marino then. Is that the thing? See, I barely remember that movie. It's just very okay to me. I don't know. I think it's pretty good, but it, it's it was like this wave of like edgy kind of comedies that was coming in, I think. And... Uh, the, the ball sack zipper thing is like the most remembered thing and then the, the jizz in the hair. Oh, yeah. I'll say this, Pap. Just rewatch it. I think that movie is... I know Brett's going to listen to this podcast at some point and say that movie is so overrated. Brett doesn't like that movie? No, Brett hates or something about Mary. Brett mm. doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> okay, well, good. Well, I'll say this. That movie is hilarious. Just rewatch it. I'll give it, I'll give it another shot. Give it another shot. That movie is... It actually aged really well. Just watch it. But back to Heavyweights, a 1995 movie directed by Stephen Brill, 
And this is really my era of movies. This is really my type of movie. <laughs> and, and from what I understand, Pappy, like based on like what we talked about on the Little Giants episode and like the Santa Claus, this is kind of your thing too, right? And I guess Stevie as well. Like we're all in for this kind of movie. I want to coin like a new phrase, the, the rug rat pack, which is like <laughs> this group of actors who are all in like, the Sandlot and Big Green, uh, Big Green, and this and Little Giants. Like I was like doing like there's Mighty a, Ducks. There's a website like uh, the Kevin Bacon thing where I'll tell you like different degrees of like actors. And I was like testing a couple of these guys, and they're like like it's one or two movies away for all of them. They're all in like the same thing. I I think this is significantly better. I I think this might be the best movie I've ever spoiled on Big Dumb Movie. To be honest, I think this is like one of the better ones from this time. Absolutely. The Apatow writing really shines through. <laughs> Stevie, let's go right into the movie. Maybe you can tell us about how Heavyweights kicks off. I believe school's out for summer, right? School's out for summer. This movie feels 90s, if that makes sense. Uh, especially with the music choice at the beginning. <laughs> and... Corey, this is a question I want to ask you on this pod. I mean, it's the last day of school. Kids are throwing papers everywhere. You know, they're ready to let out all their frustrations in the summer. My question to you is, where does this movie take place? Well, the camp is where they spend most of their time. That was filmed in North Carolina, so I'm guessing it's meant to take place somewhere over there. I mean, the beginning, I want to say it's like, I don't know. Maybe California. I don't know. That's what I was thinking. Does every school in California have like those covered walkways throughout the school? Yeah. Yeah. Because you're outside a lot. Okay. In Indiana, we just have giant brick buildings and that's it. There's no walkways. I thought he's from Long Island though. Don't they say that? And he's like, never heard yeah, of it. Yeah, but why would you have walkways like that in Long Island? For the snow. <laughs> For the <laughs> For snow. The snow. Season. <laughs> that's some environmental protection. But we... Um, Get really focused on Garner Gerald, age 11, 141 pounds. And he doesn't seem to have a ton of friends. He misses the bus. And he just has a, you know, a hell of a trip home. He stops at a lemonade stand and just destroys this lemonade meant for one. Yeah, he chugs it out of the pitcher. It's 10 cents a cup and he gives him three bucks. You know, yeah. he's, he's paid his dues. I guess. It's still kind of horrifying to watch. <laughs> and then he goes over to a baseball field, and that part always kind of bothered me. It's like, does Jerry really not know how to throw a baseball over a fence? Okay, so the answer to that is yes, he doesn't know how to throw a baseball, because I was Jerry, okay? You were Smalls? I was Smalls, yeah. That's actually probably more accurate. I remember being a kid like that and just dreading, like... <laughs> whatever like athletes were nearby that their ball did not roll in my direction because that is me for sure okay i'm so sorry Corey. i didn't know that. but what drives me crazy about that though is there's a dip in the fence like three feet to the left of where he's trying to throw it over he could just take two steps and hand it over the fence but he's trying to throw it over this high point in the fence and just struggling so mightily relatable god and I feel like there was something else that happened to it. It involved dogs. Yeah, dog starts, like, barking at him when he's walking, which is another relatable thing for me. Where I grew up, there was just, like, <laughs> stray fucking dogs, like, in the street. And you never know. You might encounter some fucking rabid fucking 
angry mutt on your way home and you got to take another route or just get chased home. I guess I should ask this. I, we haven't known each other for super long, Corey. Are you on a weight loss journey from the start when you were a young kid? Did, did you used to <laughs> No, I didn't go to mean these like kind that. Of camps? I just meant like okay. <laughs> in the sense that I was kind of like a dork, you know, and uh, not very athletic. I know, Pappy, you played a lot of sports and you were a superstar. Well, but that's the thing is like there were definitely like bigger kids in my grade who were super athletic. You know what I mean? Like linemen or like baseball players and stuff like no one at the camp has any kind of athletic skill. It's like a a skill for fat kids and kind of dorky kids, too. Like you have to be both (laughs) to go to this camp. Well, Pappy, when uh, Jerry gets home, he has someone waiting for him. Tim Blake Nelson, right? Delmar O'Donnell himself. I know you know it's Looking Glass. Buster Scruggs. Looking Glass. There's a pretty great cast in this, too, because his dad's Jeffrey Tambor as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, doesn't do a lot of, like, comedic heavy lifting, but it's just kind of funny to see him there. And spot on Dr. Phil, right? Like, (laughs) one-to-one. Exact same male pattern baldness, for sure. But... He gets sold, well, not really sold on this fat camp, because I think the last thing he says is he's not going to go, and it's like a smash cut to him being on the plane. But there are some appealing aspects in the promotional video uh, that we see, including go-karts and the blob, uh, both of which will will come into play later. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think this camp looks pretty fun to me. I'd be excited. Well, he doesn't want to go to a camp with a bunch of fat loads. That's not very kind, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Hi, I'm Pat Finley. I've been coming here since I was 10 years old. You want to know why? Because Camp Hope is the fun way to lose weight. Right, guys? It's a fat camp. Are you crazy? No way. I'm not going to a camp with a bunch of fat loads. Jerry? Now, that's not kind, Jerry. We're doing this for your own good. We got to nip this thing in the bud. I'm fine. This is a joke, right? Yeah, so Jerry does end up going to camp, and along the way, he meets Roy, who's Keenan Thompson, who was in a bunch of stuff around this time. He was, like, the the very popular uh, male child actor of, like, you know, this time frame, because he was on All That. Is this pre or during All That? This has got to be around that. that time. I think this is pre, yeah, you're right, this is pre Keenan and Kel, yeah. Yeah, he was a little bit older on Keenan and Kel. Uh, but he goes to camp and uh, he kind of like meets everyone along the way. He's the new kid, so he gets to like meet all the funny characters and uh, Pat Finley. It always made me laugh as a kid, and I still laugh now. It's almost like this cruel joke when Pat tells him they're pulling into McDonald's and everybody is like, "Yeah!" <laughs> it's like they're in Kokomo, Indiana, because there's you know a McDonald's at every stop stoplight, and he just swerves immediately. But getting into camp. You know, the vibes are pretty positive. Except for that, like, Harbinger kid at the gate. Yeah. <laughs> it was so creepy. Yeah, what's Sims doing up there, man? Like, Sims is, um, he's trying to tell everybody, hey, you know, get your laughs out now. Something, uh, something tr- is troubling afoot. Is Sim, Sims, like, in the know? Like, is he, is he aware that Ben Stiller is about to take over? Sims has seen some shit, apparently. <laughs> Sims heard Jerry Stiller screaming, Don't let anyone sign your checks! And I love that sign. so much. 
just losing your entire fortune to you know someone embezzling that's it just that makes me laugh so hard i like when they get to the bunk and like pat kind of says like all right you know you can unpack all your stuff here and jerry meets josh and he meets all the other kids that you know we spend a lot of time with throughout the movie and uh they do the download don't tell anybody but i snuck in some oreos for emergencies that was very sneaky of you chipmunks download now they yell download and they all break out the shit they like snuck in and no counselor like no one that works there like checks their bags or anything they kind of just like this, it's a sham, basically. It's just like a fun camp, like disguised as a weight loss camp, right? But I mean, I, I was being kind of mean earlier. I was saying, you know, it's like a camp for fat kids and dorks. Like what, clearly like what they get out of it. And then this opening little montage, I mean, it's like three or four minutes of them being happy at camp, the slow motion blob, the download. It it seems like it's going to be a good time. And it and you know even like the high 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 thing like even up until that point like 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 Steve said the vibes are like really really good and it's really about like self esteem right it is, it's the idea that these kids who are misfits are misfits together and I, and they like mm-hmm. even the way they're like shitting on Paul Feig for like being skinny or whatever like that's pretty <laughs> great like like it's their chance to like boy a little bit you know but in in the best possible way but that said if i was a parent and i was paying like 10 grand and my kid yeah how much back, is a camp like that for the summer weighing 10 more pounds than when he left like that would be pretty pretty disheartening yeah that's kind of a lot he weighs 140 pounds uh, you were talking about the bushkins which is uh, ben stiller's parents i believe Mm-hmm. And they are the owners, but it turns out that they are no longer in control of the camp and it was sold. So, like, things abruptly change. And I guess this is like about 20 minutes in. And we get to meet Tony Perkis himself. Stevie, is this guy amazing or what? Tony has a lot of energy. He has hair that is feathered and lethal. <laughs> he looks like he just got straight out of a tanning bed. And. I just love how the vibe of the entire, you know, auditorium just changes instantly. And Tony is horrifying. Just, he looks like he has dead eyes. <laughs> and Ben Stiller plays that character so well. Mmm. Can you smell it? There's a life force in here tonight. Do you feel it? Hmm? If you watch his, like, micro-facial expressions, they're just so fucking perfect, dude. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially when he's breathing heavily, looking at the campers, just staring at him. I... <laughs> like, his, like, head is angled slightly downward, so, like, his eyes yep. are looking up at them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's some good shit. He has some great lines, too. Being an only child, educated entirely by private tutors my whole life, I'm looking forward to interacting with children for the first time. I'm going to teach you 
And I bet you might teach me a little something also. <laughs> he is clearly, like, not qualified for this, like, at all. <laughs> He's got the uh, Frank T.J. Mackey, Tom Cruise, and Magnolia yes. vibes. Like, it's a very specific, like, 90s type of public speaker energy. And, like, one of my favorite parts is when he, like, runs through the kids at the end, like, going for the high fives and only gets one for the that kid at the kid. very end. He's like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I really love that. There's like a lot about that I like. I like the the first thing he says, "Can you smell it?" Like what? <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It is like the um, it, I mean, it's an infomercial salesman, right? Like it's the face yeah. of an infomercial, and that's what he wants to do. He wants to like he got a wild hair up his ass to like buy a weight loss camp for kids and make it the top selling infomercial in the country. Like he just decided to do that one day, and he expects to. Here's a question. Um, I, I, Corey, I know you're not like the biggest fan of Ben Stiller, but do you think someone like Will, Will Ferrell, who who would have a similar type energy in the role, I, could pull this off? Because I feel like th- this movie lives or dies by Ben Stiller's performance, basically. Will Ferrell, he might be a good like second choice, but when you have seen this movie as many times as I have seen this movie. It's really hard to change like the key role, and to me, the key role is not the kids, not Jerry, but it is Ben Stiller. It's Tony Perkis. Like he's the man of this movie, and uh, I I couldn't really see anyone else doing it. It's a particular type of unhinged. Because if it was like Will Ferrell, would be very like screamy, yelly. That's right. We can't have anyone freak out out there. Okay, we've got to keep our composure. But like Tony Perkins is crazy. Is more subtle and deep rooted in like parental induced psychosis and just other issues, deep rooted issues that he has. Leave him. He's a straggler. Stragglers must be left to fend for themselves. I was. Like I do like how there's little breadcrumbs throughout the movie though of just how he's just a little off. Especially when he's kind of like touting himself like, you know, I got to where I am like through hard work. And he goes, of course, some of you might know my father, Tony Perkis Sr., the light and fixture king. Just little stuff like that along the way. It almost makes me think that maybe this movie was written not to be such a kid's movie in the beginning. I don't know. I could be wrong on that, but I think this movie has some kind of dark elements to it. It's like a little bit edgier than I think uh, its contemporary movies of the time. Mm-hmm. I, I think the closest comparison because it's Disney is like Mighty Ducks and it has like the similar cast and came out around the same same time. This one seems to be a little edgier than that. It, it's more on par with, I think, Camp Nowhere. Do you guys know that one? Mm-mm. It, it also has a, a kid-controlled camp element to it. Uh, that one is a little bit edgier. It has to do with like kids and they're kind of going through puberty, so it kind of goes more into the, oh. that kind of thing. But uh, definitely... A little bit hardcore for a PG movie. I mean, I, there were some things that were deleted too that would have made it more hardcore, which I'll I will talk about more as we go. But one of the things is that Pat, the counselor, has sex with Nurse Julie. It's a deleted scene Wait. which I saw on YouTube. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Like full penetration is shown? <laughs> like what? <laughs> Crime penetration. <laughs> the way they show that scene is that they're both under a blanket. Oh in a God. boat on the dock, like just like a little boat. So, uh, 
that's what sex is like. That was your first time? No, no, of course not. First time today. <sighs> like a Forrest Gump type situation? Is that what we're talking about here? I'm glad they cut that. That sounds out of place. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this isn't the kind of movie that like warrants like the idea that two people had sex within the movie, right? Like, you don't need it, but it it is kind of funny to me watching it like now, like way later. Well, not to get too far out of or out of order, but I guess that kind of makes sense because the very end, uh, he's just like, and I love my girl, and like gives her like a classic like sailor coming back from World War Two big dip kiss, and it's just like, wait, when the fuck did this happen? Type I know <laughs> type thing. But it kind of works in the absurdity. She asked him to dance. Wait, Corey, does it happen I mean, immediately after the dance? I have no idea when it would have been placed in the movie chronologically, because I just kind of saw this deleted scene without any of that context. So who knows? Or maybe it was after the food orgy. Who knows? <laughs> that probably would have been it. They would have been alone together. Uh, what do you guys think of Lars? He's reassigned to the chipmunk bunk where all our main characters are. And I am Lars. <laughs> Lars? What kind of name is that? Where are you from? Far away. Does he, like, join up with the the gang at the end? <laughs> he does like, eventually, he, yeah. Does he have, like, a character arc? Yeah, he comes <laughs> around. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll get deported, Pap. They said this. <laughs> I love when he yells, Nurse Julie, Nurse Julie, at the docks and just like shoves kids in. Lars, shouldn't you be watching the kids? Oh, don't worry, I have them on the body system. Body system? Yeah, have a look. That's like one of my favorite parts. I mean, I got so many that I'm going to say like, oh, that's one of my favorite parts. But when they're at the, the lake, body and system, the kids are. Yeah, the body system. <laughs> but like he just like is pushing kids in the water like it's so roughly. I just I love his. It's such a small thing. But when he goes, don't pee in the water, don't drink the water. He peed in it. <laughs> <laughs> and Lars is just such a weird dude. He has a severely deviated septum. <laughs> that and him and Tony have a very strange relationship. Uh, it, yeah, he's a he's a weird guy. It's just uh, it's just funny to think too that like Tony took over this camp, and his first instinct is to hire a German, a very German person for this <laughs> camp. It's like, what kind of camp did you have in mind, Uncle Tony, when you were putting this together? He needs to be authentic, I guess. <laughs> we don't meet any of the other staff, though, which is interesting because, like, that whole at the, at the intro, there's this whole staff that rolls through, and like one of them has this, like a very unique, interesting look to him. But like Lars is really the only one that we ever interact with. It's like other than that, the original staff stays stays in the place. The other for thing the most part. that I was confused by was like the junior counselor. Who oh, rats yeah. out the kids for having candy and stuff like that, and then also is like supplying the kids with food for money, and he also has an arc too because he's on the kids' side at the end. I don't know. That was like a real confusing part to me. 
I was definitely confused by that guy as a kid because I wasn't sure like what side is he on? Yeah, <laughs> I guess he's playing. <laughs> he's both wearing sides. a Perkis shirt the entire time. Like he never like goes to his own clothes. It's always a Perkis shirt. I guess he's in it for himself. Like he wants to expose their like <laughs> their black market of of sweets so that he can be like the one supplier. Okay. Just kind of pulling that out of my ass though. <laughs> so pretty quickly, Tony tries to get the kids in shape, and he uh, he he changes the whole camp, right, Pappy? Maybe you can talk about like shenanigans that kind of ensue. Well, I think one of the funniest things is like one of the first things that happens under Tony's rule is like they they wake up and it's like this like super weird, almost like Enya type music playing, and Keenan Thompson's like. He thinks he's dead or something. Like th- it sounds like something you would like here in heaven. Um, but yeah, it's it's very, as Jeffrey Tempor would say, you know, he he's strict. They <laughs> he destroys the blob. Die! I, I think one of the first things we get is the softball game as well, right? With camp MVP. I don't know if we want to talk about talk about them yeah. at all, but it's it's a bloodbath out there it's the most violent game of softball ever played Uh, my thoughts exactly like it's people are getting like way more injured than they should be in a game like this (laughs) where like my version of playing a sport like this when i was a unathletic kid was just like not participating (laughs) like like just like standing there and like doing the lightest jog to the ball and like you know (laughs) like one of my favorite lines is paul feig Tim is like I, I, Camp MVP is like doing their like stereotypical like military academy like warm ups and stretches and fault Paul Feig's just out there is like all right let's hit let's hit the field and let the fates decide <laughs> it's just such a funny <laughs> hit the field and let the fates decide that's so great my my favorite moment of that whole game is actually something Tony does when he just like he's like riding his mountain bike alongside and Pat stops him to talk to him. <laughs> And he like gets off his bike and he starts curling it. Yeah. And then he puts it on his back and he he goes on a run. Like he like, like sprints away. Yeah. They're not here to learn about sports. They're here to learn about life. <laughs> the little shit he does like that is so fucking classic. Like he's just running with a bike like on his back. I wonder how much of that was like improvised. I I don't know the answer, but I mean, I, given that it was. Something that like you know, Apatow worked on early. It feels like it's just Ben Stiller it feels out like there riffing. Somebody Ben Stiller like met or knew in life, because he applies the exact same thing to White Goodman. So I just wonder if that's somebody like he met like in his days of being an actor and just applied it to it. But like, I can't even imagine like seeing that on the page. You know what I mean? Where it's like, where it's like, he Tony jumps off his bike, stops and berates Tim for a second while he curls his bike, and then takes off sprinting away. Like it's just, it's so silly. I love it so much. Yeah, that's got to be all Ben Stiller. That kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Tony has to like shake down the kids for their sweets that they <laughs> snuck in, and we talked about that a little bit. Uh, I think again, another one of my favorite scenes. Just like seeing the lengths he goes to like he's like clearly done his research like he has like a a laser that can detect if wood is hollow apparently (laughs) (laughs) 
It's like he wanted to have the best camp, so he went into research of how kids get candy and food into camp. I mean, by far the best moment of that is when he says to Keenan, he's like, he's like, come on, give me a hug. I'm still your friend. What? I'm still your friend. Yeah. Come on, give me a hug. Hmm? Hmm? Mm. Come on. Looks like my man's packet. He like reaches down to, to his ankle and grabs a Pez dispenser and the sound design is like an ammo <laughs> clip and bullets. <laughs> it sounds like, like metal hitting the ground yeah. as he's emptying it out. He like empties out the clip and he goes, ooh, my man is packing. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure this is the same part too, but my favorite part is when he goes, oh, look, a deli meat. <laughs> and he oh. this, a deli he folds meat. it in half and flings it. <laughs> yeah. So there's some good deleted scenes with that section. Obviously, it's longer in like the deleted scenes, but uh, there's a moment where he finds a Cracker Jack box and he like tosses it over his shoulder and Lars catches it and he says, Save me the prize, Lars. <laughs> <laughs> like that should have made the final cut. Like that's classic Tony right there. Not to jump around too much because, um, oh, shit, what's the, the kid's name um, who gets lobotomized? The kid from Mighty Ducks. Josh. Josh. Josh brother Josh. The line "This pleases me" is that an original to this movie? Because that's like a meme. You know what I mean? Like I've seen that before. This pleases me type thing. I didn't I know if that was is. like a reference. I don't. I don't remember him saying that as Goldberg in like the Mighty Ducks franchise. I just saw the new nurse and uh, she's very attractive. This pleases me. That's like pretty hilarious to me. And then like the the whole like one flew over the cuckoo's nest reference when he comes back like after, <laughs> pretending to be lobotomized. That's pretty pretty great too. I love in reference to that when Josh gets whisked away and they're in the cafeteria the next day and all the kids are hearing, hearing like urban legends about what happened to Josh <laughs> and the lunch guy. Sorry to hear about your little friend Josh. He's uh well he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> His delivery is so good. <laughs> All right. One thing. So Josh says, you know, his name's Seymour Butts, right? And he goes, who's Seymour Butts? Who's Seymour Butts? Nobody's Seymour Butts than you, Uncle Tony. <laughs> that is the first time I ever noticed ADR as a kid. And I didn't know that's what it was, but I was like, how come what they're saying doesn't match doesn't their words? Line up. Yeah. So it was the first time I ever noticed that as a thing in film when I was like, you know, 11 or 10 when I saw this. So that's kind of like a, a noteworthy moment to me. And I've always wondered what was actually said there, right? Because I assumed later in life that it must be a little bit too edgy for this movie. But thank you, IMDb Trivia. That's where it's listed. It does say what's actually said. Oh. So instead of saying, who's Seymour Butts? Is it like a jack-off like thing? Like Jack Mehoff? Oh, that's, type that's joke? close. Uh, instead of saying, who's Seymour Butts? And he goes, no one's Seymour Butts than you, Uncle Tony. He says, who's Peter Fitz? 
And he says, anyone's Peter fits if you push hard enough. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's really bad. I don't, I don't like that at all. Another good choice. I've never heard that before. That's hilarious. Yeah, that was in the script for this Disney movie. That's pretty cool. I, I'm telling you, I think it was PG-13 R. That's a good change, though, right? Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's a good change. So things kind of get worse and worse at camp. Jerry is our main character, so, you know, he writes a letter to his grandma kind of explaining how bad stuff is. God. We talked about the blob getting killed, and, like, Lars, like... Lars stabs the blob like he's a fucking whaler. Like <laughs> a harpoon. <laughs> yeah, he like harpoons it like he's fucking Captain Ahab and he like holds the harpoon above his head like a Tuscan Raider. Like <laughs> It's pretty good. There's, there's no rhyme or reason why they kill the blob either. It just seems to be out of pure cruelty to these kids. Yeah. Especially to celebrate yeah, it too. Yeah, I mean, that seems like a pretty like good way for them to spend their time like maybe go-karts isn't going to help you lose weight but like swimming will right swimming jumping climbing a ladder that seems like really good uh physical fitness stuff i know it's not a super funny part of the movie but when jeffrey tambor goes i did not send you to go-kart cap and then jerry hangs up yeah when i was in college uh my roommate for two years i always walked by his room and i go hey man we're going here do you want to come and instead of just saying yes or no, his response every time, Brian, if you're listening, hi, he'd always go, I did not send you to go-kart camp. <laughs> oh, man, I got to love friends like that, that say stupid fucking movie references that only you will get. Yes. Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Tony's goal for these kids is to eventually be able to lay on a bed of spikes and have a block of ice broken on their chest with a sledgehammer. Tony Perkis tries to lead by example. This is the 18th level of the Perkis system. You'll all be doing this by Labor Day. All right, do it to it, Lars. It's my honor, Tony. But we're afraid to follow. You'll all be doing this by Labor Day. That's reasonable. And... <laughs> What do you get out of doing that? <laughs> when I was in Taekwondo, I remember like uh, the main instructor in my studio, he was called Mr. Gibbs. He had a picture of him on the wall. He wasn't laying on spikes, but he was like just like laying there with his shirt off. And it was a picture of someone breaking a block of bricks on his like chest. And same thing. I was thinking, like, why, though? Like, <laughs> I like the one kid in the background in that scene. He's like, you're crazy. <laughs> I just screams. <laughs> Where things eventually end up uh, at this point in the story is there's a big dance with one of the neighboring, like, all-girls camps. Right, Pappy? Yeah, and this kind of comes back to, like, the two different approaches that we talked about, right? Where, I, I forget their name, but Jerry Stiller... What, the original owners of the camp, it was like an environment of inclusion and feeling good about yourself and building up your self-esteem. This is just pure torture for these kids. I mean, it's literally the plan is to humiliate them and fat shame them with the girls at the dance. But Paul Feig, gotta love him, directors of Bridesmaids, gets out there and starts boogieing to, I think it's Love Machine is the song that's playing, and yep. saves the dance. And 
you know, not like a particularly hilarious scene, but I mean, we've all been at like an awkward junior high dance or something. You know what I mean? I think it's a pretty good scene. I love the kid in the Les Miserables outfit too. He's got like a beret and like, I don't know. <laughs> they're all, they're all like dressed like so, I don't know if like fitting to their personality or their character like type of thing, but it's, I don't know. It's a sweet scene. I like it. There's a couple funny moments in there. And it's not really with like the kids or like the main thing what's going on, but one is Kenny the cameraman, who is like clearly drunk. Like <laughs> he's like standing guard at the door. That's uh, Alan Covert, by the way. That's Adam Sandler's friend, and uh, he's just drinking a flask by the door, like getting down, you know. Like, <laughs> and then Lars is like really having a good time, especially like when things start to pick up, and then the boys do start dancing with the girls like Lars is enjoying it Lars is an employee that's like you know he works for Tony and he he's a little bit harsh but like he's not upset that the kids are having a good time he wants to have a good time too Lars was just following orders we'll put it put it that way (laughs) oh god what have I done (laughs) I love pre-awkwardness of just Tim Paul Feig just going around going this bites he's so mad about the sugar free punch (laughs) I love that he lurches over the second time sugar free punch this bites like just little just little stuff like that I think is so funny and there's like a lot of truth to I mean like like what Pappy said like it's a almost like a junior high dance Pappy remember those days where the boys were on one side and the girls were on the other yeah like it's it's awkward uncomfortable it's uncomfortable and just awkward I mean, at least these kids, I don't know, at, at least these kids got into it at the end, you know what I mean? At least they were having fun. And yeah, one dude was making out with one of them. Yeah, that's that's kind of intense, too, yeah. But <laughs> it, it's just so shitty of Tony to, like, pull the rug out from under him, too. You know what I mean? Right when they're starting to build, build their confidence, rather than rolling with it. Like, he's just like, this isn't working, and, like, ends the dance. <laughs> Like, what was his plan? To fat shame them into losing weight? I think so, yeah. I mean, that's the way Jerry looked at it, and he's kind of our point of view guy. It's his first time working with children, or interacting with children. He's got a whole lot to learn. Jerry and Pat kind of get closer together, and they kind of form a bond. When I was uh, a kid and I saw the trailers, I I had this idea that Pat was Jerry's dad, because they, like... Looks similar. They got like the it same exact similar. haircut and hair color. So I don't know. I wonder if other kids were confused by that too. Dude, you're just like Keenan Thompson at the beginning of the movie where he's like, is that your dad? Because he's fat. Because <laughs> he's fat. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> that seems sweet though. And, and it's really, really good planting and payoff. Like I said, I, I think it's just like a really smart screenplay in a lot of ways because like what... Like you know, like you said, they're playing together. J- Jerry's pushing him on the on the um the go kart around the track, and like the main thing, like that ends their hanging out session, their bonding session. He's like, yeah, these things fly, and like he, you know, they do like imaginary jump or whatever. But that's like how he wins the Apache relay at the end is like jumping the go kart and making it fly. So it's, it's a little attention to detail, I think, that like makes this makes this grip stand out. Yeah, good note. There's a part later on when the kids decide to go look for snacks in their desperation. 
and they break into Tony's cabin during his like morning jog. There is a small moment that fucking kills me, dude. And that's when Ben Stiller is running and he just like picks up a log and he says, Come on, you devil yes. log. Come on, you devil log. <laughs> like, to me, like that moment makes that whole scene. Cause like the fart joke, like whatever, it's a 90s comedy for kids. Who cares? Like the devil log shit, dude. I love it. It's just such an, like, it, it's such a funny scene too because. I mean, it's obviously the chaoticness of breaking into his office, but every time it cuts to Tony, it's like these tribal <laughs> drums going yeah. off nonstop, and it matches so perfectly when he's like, come on, you devil log! Like, I'm so happy you mentioned that, Corey. And when he's doing his, like, uh, push-ups, what are those called? When you, like, when you incline like that and you come up? Like, Indonesian oh, push-ups or something? I, I don't do those kind of... I don't work out, so I wouldn't know. Uh... Uh, some athlete you turned out to be. Well. <laughs> <laughs> what happens is the kids eventually do find a way to get like their snacks into the camp. And you have the obligatory I want candy montage <sighs> while they are paying a guy to bring them stuff in. So because they're doing that for presumably weeks, I guess, they don't make their way in, which happens a little bit later. But the way in scene is pretty great, isn't it, Stevie? It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing because Tony, in his mind, has built up this camp that's going to make a lot of money, be very successful. He can, you know, sell the Perkis system, start a chain, you know, this, that, and the other. And it just goes completely downhill. And I think it's, you know, I forget the kid's name that weighs like 10 pounds over. And then they get Garner, Gerald, and... The fun part is is in between uh, Ben Stiller's kind of having a nervous, a mini nervous breakdown after each one the overway of turn off the camera. All right, turn the camera on. You've gained nine pounds. Have you been cheating? Hmm? Turn off the camera. Let me make something very clear. The Perkis system does not work with cheaters like Gerald Garner. Okay? How can I sell an infomercial about fat kids? who can't keep their piggy little snouts shut. Hmm? Who's gonna buy that, huh? Step off the scale. Okay, turn on the camera. <laughs> he like puts on his face, you know, for the camera. Yeah, I love it when Josh goes up there, everybody's so excited, and he gets up and he goes, step on the scale, <laughs> get off the scale. It just, just <laughs> the immediate turn is so funny. All right, I blame myself. You know what, no, I don't blame myself. I mean, he's already like crazy because he's already like giving Kenny the cameraman shit, you know? He like runs out and does his like fucking pre planned pose and his thumbs up. And Kenny's like, I'm not rolling yet. And he's like, Are you rolling now, Kenny? You know, he's, he, he's already like, Speed. Does that mean rolling? <laughs> Is this the uh, how you doing, little Tony monologue? That's. Yeah. That's pretty great. Like yep. just the, like I said, the, the deep rooted parents' issues coming to fruition, and just the way he like pops out of it. He's like, "No, you will pay." <laughs> to the kids. How you doing, little Tony? Bad. Why do you feel bad? Because everything's falling apart, and I can't do anything about it. It's not your fault. 
I know it's not my fault, but whose fault is it? It's not my fault. It's their fault. That's right. It's their fault. It's their fault. It's their fault. You have failed, and you will pay. Tomorrow morning at 0600, everyone who has not met their weight loss goal will join me on a 20-mile hike. What? Pack light, boys. The party's over. <laughs> the whole crowd gasps. It is you who has failed, and you will pay. He has this plan to, okay, you know what? We're going on a 20-mile hike if you haven't made your weight, which is basically everyone, all our main characters at least, who have been, uh, as he describes, cheating. And Pat, like, steps in and he's like, well, like, that might be a little bit extreme, don't you think? <laughs> and he says, You're a negativity spreader. You're contaminating my wealth, Finley, and I won't have it. <laughs> That is some like straight up like dodgeball like shit. Yeah. Like the more I think about it, it really isn't is. It? <laughs> like that could have been a line in that movie. Contaminating my wealth. Is this the best character Ben Stiller ever played? Easily, in my opinion. I feel like it is by a long shot because like he's not really. I mean, other than dodgeball, he doesn't really play these like extreme characters. He's more of like the straight man, really. That seems to be, like, where he got, like, super popular, right? Like, in my mind, Meet the Parents is, like, where Ben Stiller, like, got super popular. Maybe, I guess you can argue something about Mary, but the, the character is pretty similar, like, the, the Ben Stiller type of straight man. And uh, I, I think he excels far more in something like this, like, just as a performance, at least. He enables the things, like, when they're on the hike, like, flipping around the tree or whatever, or later on when he does like the backflips down the thing, like the tone that he sets makes those moments work. You know what I mean? Because that silly editing is matching the energy that he's bringing <laughs> the entire movie. When they're on the hike and he's like on the fucking, the branch. I'm on the top of the world! Yeah! How's this for fun, Cody? Sam? Why don't you come out and join me? Oh, yeah, I'm on my way. He's gonna get us killed. We gotta do something about this. Yeah, man, but what? What's that? I missed it. That's so oh. good, dude. <laughs> or just the ridiculous backflips back to the cliff. The sound effect of the backflip always makes me laugh, too. What? But I like his, like, even, like, his yoga. He's like, is he saying repulse the monkey? Repulse the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> All you need is Mother Earth, Father Tut Sky, and your dear old Uncle Tony. <laughs> that hike is like kind of where the kids have like had it, and uh, they contemplate murdering him. Part the wild horse's mane. Hey, I say we push him. There's no jury in the world that could convict us. <laughs> like, understandable, the thought crosses your mind. Fortunately, they don't go that route. <laughs> Don't they say something like no jury would convict us? Yeah, not a jury something? in the world would convict us. Yeah. <laughs> That's just like the kind of shit you say to like talk yourself into doing something. For children to be saying that. Can you imagine how different this movie would be had they just pushed him and the rest of the movie was a courtroom <laughs> drama of do they convict these kids or not? I would love it. It was like basically kill or be killed at that point because he's proposing that they like scale a mountain face or something. I, I think they're probably justified. 
Yeah, they're gonna free solo a fucking mountain. <laughs> they're gonna free solo Yucatan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, you're kind of right, because like one of them's gonna die during that at least, right? If not, like half mm-hmm. of them. I would think more than one. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> so I, I guess they decide to both prank him and then capture him, right, Stevie? Yeah. So they're trying to d- settle a dispute if you can do a a sit up while blindfolded. And so Tony's all, "Well, let's rock Jerry's world." And when he does that, Josh drops Trow. I imagine. At Tony's angle, when he came up to see, could probably see his balls, his <laughs> asshole, his ass. You disgust me. <laughs> and you just, the look on Ben Stiller's face of, oh my! Just. One, two, three! Kiss my butt! Oh my! Oh my! When he hits him, when he like does like the yeah, chop to the back of his like, knees. He does like these yeah, like finger chops to the back of his knees. And you gotta give Josh credit. When Tony goes after him, Josh is moving. Like he's actually moving pretty quick through those woods. Yeah, that goalie training is like paid off, fortunately. <laughs> but I guess like my biggest question from this when Tony falls into the booby trap, one, how'd they get him out? And two, how did they restrain him down the mountain? Yeah, that couldn't have been an easy thing to do. And it must have been, like, all right, if we're thinking about it, they, they had to have, like, tied him with whatever they had in their bags and dragged him, right? Like <laughs> That's all I can think. They just dragged him like, you know, they would, like, on sleds in Alaska. So he was dragged, like, whatever, 20 miles, maybe 15 miles at this point, back to camp. So he's, like, pretty fucked up. And then they, <laughs> they construct, like, a jail and an, and an electric fence. Jerry's reaction to this is, like, you guys, you can't kidnap a man. And then, like, Tony says something mean to him. He's like, all right, never mind. Yes, you can. We're stuck here. <laughs> like... Tim, he says, like, you can't kidnap a can't counselor. They give people oh, the chair yeah. for that kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, not only do they have him kidnapped, it's like an electric fence that he's stuck into. He's, like, shocking himself. I mean, it's going to be a, the court case of the century when this thing comes to, comes to trial <laughs> and is litigated. Yeah, and these kind of movies just doesn't happen, you know? It's... It's a kid's fantasy, and that was so cool about like these '90s kids movies. It was just like purely like chill. I, I mean, I don't. I'm so out of touch. I don't really know if kids movies are like this anymore. I don't think so. But back then, it was like, wouldn't it be badass if you could do this? <laughs> and a lot of movies were like that, kind of since Home Alone. Wouldn't it be cool if you could cash a million dollar check and make out with an FBI agent? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when is that pod happening? Blank check? Yeah. I did a blank check pod with a couple guys at No Highway Option. I think I've talked about this a little bit here. They're, the format of their podcast is they review a movie in comparison to Vin Diesel's The Pacifier. So that's the basis <laughs> of their podcast. <laughs> it's a pretty fun time. But yeah, I did blank check over there. I might revisit it again someday over here, though, down the line. 
just for good measure. You mentioned Home Alone, though. Like, like I said, I, I, I think this movie is significantly more clever than like a lot of things we talked about. Like, remember Baby's Day Out when they like unnecessarily insert as many Home Alone style like conflicts as possible. Like this movie, you have really long arms. <laughs> this movie could have easily like gone that route, right? Where they set up like a Home Alone style trap for Tony back at like the camp base or something like at least they didn't do they didn't do that right yeah this movie i think has like more substance than that like it doesn't need to fall back on that kind of bullshit which is cool they have so much substance they have a literal food orgies worth of substance <laughs> yeah well they gotta celebrate man what is the catalyst for lars being a good guy in this food orgy because it goes from him like being licked by a deer to him like partying in the food orgy i think right or is there is there any kind of bridge? Well, the Lord of the Flies tell him that <laughs> join us oh, yeah. or you will be deported. <laughs> I forgot about that. And so Lars is like, you know, s'mores on pizza covered in Mountain Dew sounds really good right now because I haven't had a carb in two years under the Perkis system. Yeah. So I imagine he just, yeah, lost his mind. He doesn't want to go back, you know? But no. <laughs> I think it is really funny when they put the honey on his chest to scare him, and they're like, ah, there's no deer, or there's no bears, but then the deer's licking him. But also, like, a little kid runs back to him and just punches him in the balls. <laughs> just like, <laughs> I've had enough of your shit. I'm, I'm going to do this while I can. Lars still has it more together at the food orgy, though, than Tim, Paul Feig. He's losing <laughs> his fucking mind. At that Tim point. has a hard relapse. Yeah. <laughs> I watched the like the behind the scenes of that uh, particular moment on YouTube, and like it's so much crazier when it's not in slow mo. <laughs> like <laughs> it's fucking anarchy. And I think uh, Ben Stiller or someone was saying, yeah, uh, or no, it was the director. He's like, we're we're letting the kids live out all their food fantasies, and like seeing them do all this shit, but like fast for like a few minutes as opposed to like the thirty seconds of slow mo. It's really something else, man. <laughs> I also like the touch where Jerry records his own like cassette tape and they like they bring a boombox to Tony just to like just to shit on him while he's locked up. You know, he's in there, he can't do anything, but you know, they got to like give him some of his own medicine. They bring in the boombox that says, uh, "Wake up, Tony. Tonight is evaluation night. The key word here is value. Do you have any?" <laughs> no way, because you're a loser. A loser with a skinny wiener. So relax and repeat after me. I am a loser. I smell. I have no friends. Now breathe yes. and relax. Shut that up! <laughs> they go hard in the skinny wiener thing quite a few times in this movie. It's a reoccurring, reoccurring thing. The first time Uncle Tony says the the keyword of the day is value. Do you have any? Not yet over the loudspeaker. That shit makes me laugh every time though, because it's just so cruel. It's, it's like one of those things I didn't understand, like how fucked up that was until like later in life, and it made it funnier. And you gotta appreciate like when you watch a movie like this as a kid, and then you watch it as an adult, and then you find more stuff that's funny. Like to me, yes. that's, that's just amazing. 
Jeffrey Tambor's character really shined through for me as I get older in this movie, even though he has like 20 lines in the entire film. Yeah, he's not in it much. The one thing that bothers me about the food orgy is Pat wants to like go stop this like madness from happening. And Nurse Julie's like, or you could stand next to me. And it's like, no, he needs to be responsible for these children who have They go to the boat, Pat. Who have just kidnapped a man. Well, yeah. I can see why Pat did it, but I mean, come on, Nurse Julie. You're you're the healthcare professional here. Someone's gotta step it up and say <laughs> Now's not the time for snoggling in a boat. <laughs> they get to have, like, their fun, like, for one night, being free of this uh, cruel dictator, Tony Perkis. And uh, they kind of, like, take the right path, though, like, right after that. Like, Pat says, like, I mean, I think we, like, learned a lesson from that, like, little party we had, and it's time we actually, like, take this dieting thing seriously. And they do seem to be, like, on board, right? Like, they're ready to go on power walks and make some pasta primavera. <laughs> and it's, a couple of them run at the end of the montage. So, yeah. Uh, everybody's on board. They're a giant team now. You know, self-accountability. Inspiring music playing in the background. You know, everything's looking up. And it ends with... Uh, that montage, I think, ends with the parents' weekend and the parents showing up. <laughs> I do love Stevie Jeffrey T- Tambor's line where he's like... It's my favorite line in the whole movie. <laughs> do you want to say it? <laughs> oh, my God. It makes me... I'm sure Kyle will put it in here. I can't do it justice. Hey, big guy. Look at you. Look at you. Look the same. It's <laughs> like Jerry's trying to grab their hands and like show them everything they're doing and how exciting life is. He looks at his wife and just goes, hasn't lost a pound. It's the way, too, that he's like so excited to see his son. He's like, there he is. There he is. And then, There's my big guy. And the fact that, like, in the back of his mind, this is like a middle class guy just trying to do his best for his family. And I am, like you guys said, imagine you probably dropped 10 grand on this godforsaken camp and just his eyes of, he hasn't lost a pound. It's my favorite line of the whole movie. Good God, man. That, that poor fucking bastard. Like, <laughs> <laughs> He's just trying to do his best. <laughs> and your son might be going to jail. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, Parents' Day is here. And the uh, campers, they have made a tape using footage from Kenny the Cameraman. And I, I guess they took some creative liberties as well. And uh, they kind of show the parents what camp has been all about. Right, Pappy? Camp Hope or Camp Hell. <laughs> yeah, the eating the rat might be a little bit over the top. Eating the plastic rat? As far as like an editing choice, the cinematography is great. The villain is a little <laughs> over the top. So entertaining! The cinematography, the editing techniques. Oh, I must say, the villain was a bit over the top. I, I guess... One of the standouts for me, too, is like while this is happening, Ben Stiller is trying to break out of prison and he's talking to Nicholas. I, I forget, is Nicholas the British kid? I don't know. Yeah, yes, he's British. He is. He's, a, he's a little British, the British kid, future president of the United <laughs> States. And it is, it's my favorite line. Of, <laughs> I can't even say it. It's my favorite line of the whole thing because Ben Stiller's like, You've been a good guard, Nicholas. Strong and fair. 
Your queen would be proud. <laughs> like Queen Elizabeth would knight him for such duties. Your queen would be proud. <laughs> I don't know why. It just like sounds like something out of Game of Thrones, but for like this little British kid, it's so funny. But that's another thing I never got as a kid. I was like, what does that mean? Like, you know, I didn't understand like monarchy. Your queen would be proud. This is my, and we, we do this sometimes uh, on spoilers where we'll ask Stevie an abstract question related to the plot or like a theoretical question. What was the plan on paper for telling the parents about the kidnapped camp counselor? Cause he escapes and like, yeah, he's clearly in this like deranged state, but like how would they have broached that? Like, okay, that's pretty fucked up. Right. As soon as the video ends. Well, We've got him tied up in an electric cage over here. We got him tied up in an electrical cage like an animal. He hasn't been fed in days, probably dehydrated, (laughs) smells awful because he has nowhere to go to the bathroom. But hey, let's get through this together. Josh's dad is a lawyer. He's not going to have any of this. They're going to dip right away. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I mean, not to get too far ahead of it, but... When Tony's there, kind of in a deranged state, and Nicholas comes running through like a minute late going, he's escaped, he's escaped. It's such a weird line that makes me laugh so hard. But when Tony Perkis goes, you little British butterball, I'll show you what it means to be an American. I don't know what it means, but it makes me laugh so hard. Like he's going to give him a good old American beatdown. I don't know what it means. I'll show you what it means to be an American. Tony's like arrival during that video or like right at the tail end of it is like so fucking perfect like he looks like a fucking psycho he's so dirty and just like he he has mentally like snapped like he's already a crazy guy but like he has like had enough and he's up there on like the second story window like how do you get up there you know like that little faint line that kid how do you get up there (laughs) They do throw in a lot of little stuff like that from, like, kids in the background that's quite nice. He does a flip down, and, like, he's just, like, showcasing how, like, undefeatable he is, like, as a person. Throwing the glass down (laughs) at his feet and, like, walking over it just to show that he can, you know? While screaming Garner Gerald, age 11, 141 pounds. Now you realize what we've been dealing with. He has to be stopped! I'm too strong! I'm too motivated! And you're too weak! Especially you, Garner Gerald, age 11, 141 pounds! And, like, by the third glass, it's, like, really starting to hurt him. And, like, his, like, face and his oohs and ahs are are pretty classic. He's defeated so, like, unceremoniously, too. Because, obviously, like, Jeffrey Tambor punches him. That's, like, almost the place where they could have, like, edited the scene to end. But, like, Tony does this, like, double karate chop on his back. And then just basically just backflips himself into oblivion. Like, he goes too hard in the backflips and, like, runs out of stamina bar. And is just done on the ground after that. It's a good fall, too. Like, it's... The stunt person was pretty, like, obscure. They just, like, slam into the (laughs) wall. And, like, that's it. So, Tony Perkis is defeated, basically. He's out of the movie. Well, until, like, I guess after the credits. 
real quick i have only seen the after the credit scene once did you guys watch it this time around no is there an after credit scene i watched it this time i don't think i had ever seen it growing up that i that i knew of can you refresh my memory pappy because i didn't rewatch it this time i forgot about it like i used to always as a kid it, it's technically a mid credit scene i think there's like a uh more credits afterwards like more of the below the line type stuff but it's literally um like after all the actors go shot of an interior of a home the the front door door opens it's uncle tony he's like all right i know what you're thinking Another guy selling magic healing crystals, and he opens up this thing. It's like got a bunch of like rocks and like necklaces and stuff in there. I, and I think it's just basically his sales pitch, and then it closes the door on him type thing. Like he's he's fallen pretty far. Like that's his life now. He couldn't even get a job with the lighting fixture king. <laughs> no, he's he's been reduced to hawking magic healing crystals door to door. Hey, there's money in that, from what I understand. I don't know about door to door, but people like magic crystals. Apparently, they really do. He's really lucky he doesn't owe like just tons of like, I don't know, like back attorneys' fees and and stuff. He's lucky he has a a dad who looks exactly like him to just say, "But no one gets your attorneys out. We'll we'll make everyone happy here." I love Papa. <laughs> just out there for the parents. So like like he does it like he's done this before with Tony. Where he's like, everybody get their money back, we make nice, no lawyers, everybody goes home happy. Just another like, failed Tony Perkins. Yeah, adventure. this is like the third time this has happened. <laughs> like that's like his attitude towards it is priceless. There is one more shot of Tony where he's like like got a blanket around his shoulders <laughs> being guided to like the limousine too. Like like he had to get his care with him to like get him away from these kids. But the movie does not end there. Pat takes over as uh, the new guy in charge of the camp. And the kids still have to do one final task. They have to defeat Camp MVP in the Apache Relay. Isn't that right, Stevie? Yeah, and it's crazy, to, to say the least, because they get off to the worst start possible. And, I mean, even... With editing techniques, I have no clue how Camp MVP did not win by three miles. The editing <laughs> techniques. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it, it's funny, but it's kind of this thing of, you know, these kids are overweight, they don't have an athletic bone in their body, but when it comes to smarts, they will prevail, and that's how they get back in it. I, th I think it might, I mean, I, this, does, this movie doesn't need this kind of analysis, but it, what, what is it the hall of intelligence or what's yeah it? the hall of intelligence in the hall of intelligence there's like a sign that says it's a maximum six minute penalty at each station so i think it's just basically in the sack race and the penalty kicks they had earned like a 18 minute lead mm. and lost it all in the hall of intelligence basically. <laughs> lost it all. and the balloon shaving they couldn't get through the balloon oh yeah shaving. that kid was covered Corey, i have a question for you yeah. Can you name five U.S. vice presidents? Oh, God. Quail. <laughs> yep. Cher? 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 <laughs> uh, we actually had this uh, exact discussion when my wife and I <laughs> watched it the other day, and uh, uh, we were able to get the, the most recent five. But it, I'll tell you this. As a kid, 
1995 and I was about the age of the kids in this movie, I couldn't tell him, I couldn't have said Dan Quayle. Like, I, <laughs> there's no way I would have been able Who's to say Who's the current it. vice president? <laughs> I, dude, I, I, when you're a little kid like that, you don't know shit about, like, who the president is or what they're about. Like, I was told that uh, we were for Clinton when it was like the, I think it was what the, the Bush to Clinton transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like that's what I knew about like politics. I was like, oh, we like Clinton. <laughs> Why? I don't know. He he's on Animaniacs, I guess. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> the the British kid too. He like goes deep too. He's like naming some like 19th century <laughs> vice presidents. Like he doesn't go like the five most recent either. He's like all over the map. The map with it. Yeah, Nicholas is their key to success if you think about it. Nicholas is the key to all of this. <laughs> A couple quick notes. Let's see. I like Lars as like when he's dressed up for like the art display, but mostly I like Kenny the cameraman as Einstein. That's like, so great. <laughs> is he smoking a cigarette during? Yeah, that? he's he's always smoking or drinking. <laughs> I it, it's such a like a cheap line too, but when he goes nine, nine. And the kids like the answer is nine. He's like no nine means no in German. Yeah. Like he's he's drunk and just trying to get somewhat sober back from cigarettes. It's so funny. <laughs> it's good, and it builds up to the uh, big go kart chase. And of course, like Pappy mentioned, this was planted earlier about you know Jerry just wanting to drive a go kart. He wants to go fast. He wants to do something that he thinks he'll be good at. And like this is kind of it. And I talked about this on the Major Pain podcast that I did with Jonathan about how, like how much more I like this like finale, like this little event relay finale they do in this than Major Pain and other movies like it. I know there's one other, but I can't remember off the top of my head. There was like three. There's Heavyweights. True Beverly Pain. Hills has it. If you've seen that. Mm-hmm. Which one is it? Troop Beverly, Troop Hills. Beverly Hills. Oh, okay. No, I don't know that one. Was that like the, um, it was like the the Girl Scouts or something? Yeah, and it's like they have to sell cookies to go to this Girl Scout camp. I think it's, it might even be called like an Indian relay. Or so that's like the word that they use, I think. It's like literally like the exact same premise with the, with the elite camp from down the road that they have to defeat type thing. But I don't think they have a kid who looks just like Mario Andretti who drives a go-kart though. So I think that's like the one, the one difference. <laughs> yeah. The one MVP or with lines, if you notice, like anytime someone says anything, if he's driving by on the boat saying you stink you or stink, whatever. You stink, you stink, you stink, you <laughs> stink. Good one. <laughs> Those guys are fucking morons, I swear to God. <laughs> I, I saw a post about heavyweights in one of these like many, many nostalgia groups I'm in on Facebook. And I've noticed a trend, and this was true for heavyweights as well. Someone will post like the poster for heavyweights or a screenshot from it. And it's usually like really bad quality picture, right? Or a screenshot of a Google search, but they'll post a picture. And then in the comments, there'll be a bunch of people saying like, oh, they don't, they can't make movies like this anymore. Cause it's not PC. And I, I saw something very similar to that sentiment in a heavyweights comment section. What do you guys think about like that idea? Like, oh. The PC crowd would never allow this today. Do you think there's any truth to that? And I mean, and what do you think that means? I, I always get so frustrated with, it, especially like with comedians. Like you can't be funny anymore. You know, you get canceled. It's like no, that's not true in the slightest. I think it, you couldn't make a scene about like let's say the camp MVPers 
and you have like a 10 minute segment of just the heavyweight kids and that's it. Like the good thing about this movie is it shows like the heavyweight kids winning. It shows them have arcs. I think you could make another heavyweights movie today. I really do. I think there's some jokes that probably couldn't land, but I think overall you definitely could make one. Do you think the jokes wouldn't land or do you think they would like be offensive? Do you think there would be tweets about them? Well, there's always going to be tweets about everything. You can't, I mean, I think I've gone over this with Pap, like Twitter is what, 2% of the population? Yeah. It's not reality. Well, here's here's exactly what the reaction in the discourse would be. It wouldn't be about the jokes themselves. It would be when Heavyweights was announced, like the, the log line or the premise, that would be what generated all of the controversy. You know what I mean? Like the out of hand dismissal of uh, having kids as a fat camp as a premise is what people would get mad about. I think it holds up actually really, really well today. I mean, like it's such a low bar, but there's no racism or homophobia or anything like that. Like, you know what I mean? No use of like, like mental slurs or I said homophobic slurs. Like I, I think it would hold up really well today. I don't, I don't know where people are coming from. They're like, this could never be made today. I, I think it maybe could, especially with the body positivity stuff. I agree with you guys, and I don't just agree on this movie, but I agree with like that same sentiment for a lot of movies that people in our age group have grown up on, and people online will say the same thing about like, oh, that can't be made today because of the PC crowd. I think there's more outrage from people like saying like, oh, people would be offended, right? Than people actually being offended in some cases, especially mm-hmm. with like movie discussions, at least the ones that I see. And I'm not in a lot of like sophisticated film discussion groups. I'm just in like groups for people that like things from the 80s and 90s. Well, it's kind of like what you guys said, though. I mean, this is a very body positive movie, I feel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not... <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with making that movie today. I think it'd be great, actually. To the people who are like, you couldn't make this movie today because people would get offended, I would just say that there are a lot of people who are fighting arguments with made-up people on the internet. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that, there's, there, you're, you're arguing a straw man here. No, like, who's, who are the specific people who are saying, I don't want heavyweights made today? You know what I mean? Like, what are you... You're working yourself over, over nothing, basically. Yeah, that's a really good point, and I think a really good way to look at it. That's the thought I've had also, but couldn't articulate. But speaking of our uh, camp hopers, Jerry does fly. He makes, like, <laughs> the big jump during their go-kart race and kind of like last minute like crashes down on the camp MVP or fortunately doesn't like take his fucking head off or anything but uh, he does win the race and it's like Camp Hope has won the day you know they've defeated MVP which was like their secondary plot and they defeated Tony earlier and they're you know they're on the the path that they want to be on Mm -hmm. and I like too that they're not like the trophy isn't the end game for them, right? They just kind of throw the trophy in the water. And it, and it is their secondary quest, but I don't, I really like this beat. I know Stevie, you're, you're, Stevie like writes more and is more into like, I don't know, shape of stories and scripts and, and understanding that. I, it feels like, I mean, I feel like a very lesser movie would have ended with the Uncle Tony 
being walked off to the that's to the limo. How I felt it almost felt like the end of this movie was almost like attached on. I know it wasn't, but I felt like a lot in between the campers and Tony was cut. I feel like there was a lot, like a lot, a lot left on the cutting room floor. Um, I'm not saying this ending felt rushed, but I think the ending in this movie is actually perfect. It works so well, especially with the breadcrumbs of, you know, what's camp MVP, you know, what's the Apache relay. They build up to it really nicely. And I... (laughs) I love the douchebag uh, MVP coach. We're citing a formal protest. <laughs> but yeah, I think the end of this movie works really well with the Apache Relay. But I agree with you, though, Pap. A lesser movie would have ended with just Tony being whisked away in a limo. And it, yeah. It plays into, like, these guys have, like are finding their place in society. Not the society, right? But finding acceptance and finding a community, right? That That's why it works. Like, if it's they defeat the evil camp counselor you're gonna feel i don't know that that would feel okay that'd feel like an okay spot to end if you you wanted this movie to be closer to 90 minutes but like the fact that they're able to grow and show that they're able to work together as a team and and compete with the people from camp mvp and you know particularly with our main character he's found like acceptance and stuff i I just love this ending i I feel like it, it flows really nicely it doesn't feel the length of the movie either like it doesn't feel tacked on at the time Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much representative at the end there of their like their internal success, mm-hmm. right? And Tony being like their like external success when they defeat him. And that song during the credits fucking rips too. <laughs> Corey, I have a question for you. Yeah, wasn't the trophy? I haven't seen Major Pain in probably eighteen years. Wasn't the trophy in Major Pain really important that they lose? Wasn't like the trophy kind of like the end-all be-all at the end? Uh, the trophy is discussed at many points in the movie, and mm-hmm. it is the uh, driving goal of Madison Academy in Major Pain. The yeah. reason they need it in the beginning is to get rid of Major Pain. Like, he'll leave. Right. Damon Waynes will leave if they get the trophy. And then it becomes they want to earn it for themselves because they worked hard. And then he kind of becomes their father figure. Gotcha. But yeah, definitely. In this one, it you know, it's a it doesn't matter to the point where they literally toss it away. Oh, Pat's just crazy about his gal. <laughs> Who he had sex with the night before in a boat. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of his gal? Nurse Judy or Julie? Yeah. Nurse Julie. Nurse Julie. Do you think she would have really ended up with Lars? <sighs> I mean she knows how to make a mean pasta primavera. She could probably have her pick of the uh... The camp. <laughs> the camp counselors. <laughs> so, what is Pat's actual job? Well, he's demoted to, like, the groundskeeper slash custodian. That was so sad. <laughs> Pat Finley. <laughs> Bring a mop and a plunger. And a plunger. <laughs> Do you mean before that? I mean, like, does he just... Is his entire job being a camp counselor? Or is he just doing this like during the? Is he a teacher? Oh, I see. Outside of summers. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, I love Papa's reaction to eighteen years. How you been doing with yourself? I imagine Pat's the kind of guy who takes the kids in the bus, drops them off at the airport, 
then sits in the bus until June of next year waiting to pick <laughs> oh, him up. <laughs> Good question. No idea. Pat, I mean, I, he's probably just a working stiff, you know? He's like... <laughs> He's working night crew at Vons or whatever. You guys know about Vons? Is that a thing where you guys are? What is Vons? It's a grocery store. Okay. Yeah. But that is heavyweights. Before we do ratings, do you guys have any final thoughts about the movie? Any like tidbits we miss that you like? Corey, I just wanted to say thanks for making this the best damn podcast of my life. (laughs) God bless all of you. I know it's kind of, it's pretty apparent in the film, but young me and older me always likes to see Pat and Jerry get close over the summer. Yeah. It always it always seems that Jerry and his dad have had kind of a uneasy relationship. They just don't get along very well. And to see like him get like a father figure for a summer is pretty cool. So I like that about this movie. Same, definitely. That's like a lot of the heart of this movie is their relationship, mm-hmm. I think. Um, in terms of comedy, there's just so much comedy in this that works for me. I, it's so weird how I just latch on to these movies from my childhood, I know. But one of the things is when Lars first shows up as their new like counselor to the chipmunk bunk, and he says, these are your new Perkis System uniforms. Your families will be billed automatically. <laughs> yeah, I love that line, too. Oh! your new friend and counselor. Please enjoy your new Perkis system uniforms. Your families will be billed automatically. Now, let's play the fun game that helps us learn each other's names. We already know each other's names. Silence! (laughs) Family will be billed automatically. (laughs) That's just fucking classic. Literally the only other note that I had that we didn't touch on is that there's two sports references which kind of date this movie as a 90s movies there's you caved like the buffalo bills in the super bowl and uh what do i look like Dion sanders uh when they're playing softball yeah but jerry at one point has a fire marshal bill t-shirt like <laughs> really that's yeah. pretty great when he's like riding his grandma and i'm like thinking man no kids that watch this nowadays are gonna know what the fuck that is but <laughs> it's not super dated you know at least I don't feel like it is. I'm probably just old, though. It's such a small thing, but one line that it's always stood out to me is on the hike when Tony's screaming at the campers, did you ever hear about the story of Icarus? And, you know, he goes into, you know, rolling the ball up the hill and wax and whatnot, and I love how he just continues to walk, and he goes, you were all like Icarus. <laughs> I don't know why, but that line always makes me laugh. Did you ever hear the story of Icarus? who continually rolled the ball up the hill. But when he got too close, the ball melted in the heat of the sun. You're all like Icarus. Well, he's got like his analogy so confused. He's like, (laughs) you're like Icarus rolling a ball of wax being burnt by the sun. It's like, are you confusing like a couple different people? Sisyphus? Sisyphus? (laughs) Yeah, Sisyphus and Icarus. I mean, come on. Private tutors his whole life, man, I swear. Money well spent. (laughs) private tutors his whole life but let's get into ratings pappy on any rating scale you want doesn't have to be a yes or no but it can be what are you going to give heavyweights um i should have thought of a rating 
scale. I'm gonna give this seven and a half smooshed Hershey Hershey kisses out of ten. Your queen would be proud. I I think this is like by far the best movie that I've spoiled here on Big Dumb Movie. You know, to the people who say you couldn't make this movie today, I would say, you know, who's who's saying that you can't make this movie today? I think when you look at it, it holds up kind of remarkably well. Um, it's really, really funny. Uh, it's got an above average script and a smart script and it sounds like the choices that were made in post in terms of editing are like made the film more watchable and maybe you know we, we criticize the Disney brand quite a bit but maybe making it a little bit more wholesome help preserve this film for a little bit longer uh, sorry Nadia about your VHS tape that I ruined 15 years ago now uh, apologies to that but yeah Really good movie. Big fan. Uh, glad to do a podcast on it. Awesome. I'm going to go next, and I'm going to say one quick thing before I give my rating because I forgot to mention it earlier. Another deleted scene during Tony's shakedown of the chipmunk bunk when he's taking all their candy away and stuff. There's a very weird moment, and this is probably kind of what you're talking about, Pappy. He approaches one of the kids, Philip. He looks at his crotch. And he says, you look quite grown up for such a young gentleman. Oh and then Philip goes, I'll call the cops. And, he says that. and Tony says, give it to me. And the kid reaches down his pants and grabs the candy that's in his crotch. I'll call the cops. There's, there is one other part too, where it's like right after the food orgy and they're getting their, they're getting their like pep talk from, from Pat. And, and he's like, if we band together and have self-control, no one can touch us. And it shows Kenan Thompson. He kind of goes, what? No one can touch us? Like, he kind of does this, like, little head tilt. Like, it goes out of its way to show that. <laughs> so funny. So small and so funny. That is subtle. That's good. Um, but I am going to give this a high rating. This this rating is uh, one I've only given one other movie, I think, here on Big Dumb Movie. I don't really remember. I'm all over the place. This is a 10 out of 10 skinny wieners for me. Whoa. 10 out of 10. I fucking love everything about this movie. As you guys know, because you were both on this podcast, all three of us were on the Cine Study podcast where we did our top 10 movies of the 90s. That is right. This was in my top 10. This was number nine. And, uh, you know, all my top 10s are probably 10s. I don't know. But I, I just love this movie so much. So much nostalgia, so much good comedy that still holds up. Uh, like Pappy said, it's a really good script. Amazing performance by Ben Stiller as this crazy person that like he recycled in a later movie, which seems to be a little bit more widely known at this point, uh, which is kind of unfortunate, but that's okay. Uh, you know, if you haven't seen Heavyweights and you're listening to this podcast, it's one of those... Uh, 90s Disney live action movies and there was a bunch of them made like I always reference the Mighty Ducks because it has such a similar cast but this is like the upper tier of those kind of movies it's probably like the best one of that bunch and it is kind of lumped in with those sports movies because that's just what the thing was at the time and there is some sports in this movie but it's not necessarily that those are a little bit formulaic and this one is unique I think I'm telling you, the Rugrat Pack. It should be a, a phrase. The pack. Just real, really quick uh, for your for your loyal listeners, I, I have deemed myself the official statistician 
of Big Dumb Movie. Corey, I do have you only giving one other film a 10 out of 10. That's Surf Ninjas. And you gave Hook and T2 a 9.5 out of 10, respectively. So heavyweight's better than T2, according to Kylo. Okay, I'm going to change both of those ratings to 10. Okay, I'll... <laughs> <laughs> I'll let the interns know. We'll make yeah. the, uh, Get the team <laughs> on it. See how they can yeah. figure this out. Stevie, uh, you're up last. What do you think? What's your rating on any rating scale you want? I will give this 140 out of 141 Garner Geralds. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I absolutely love this movie. It was one of my favorites growing up, so one of my favorites now. I can watch it at any point, any time. I think Ben Stiller's way he acts between kind of normal to crazy to dark to demented, it's it's actually a really good performance. And the writing, like you guys said, it, it's good. Uh, the kids aren't distracting by their... Sometimes you can get really bad kid actors and it's distracting. There's none of that in this movie. Everyone bought their brought their A game. Uh, the guy who plays Pat Finley, I think his name's Tom McGowan, He's really good in this movie. His relationship with Jerry in this in this movie is great. Uh, I will give this, yeah, really high rating, 140 out of 141. Nice, that's what I like. This is the exact kind of movie that I like to do on this podcast, so I really thank you guys for joining. We've been doing a lot of 80s movies recently, and it's nice to like shy away from that and go more into the area that I like. You can tell... Steve's influence on me when we do those 80s movies. <laughs> <laughs> Just please have us both back for Big Green when you do that someday. I hear it's really or bad. Or Lindsay Lohan's Parent Trap. Ooh. That's another Disney camp movie. It's good. Ooh, and I know someone that was in that movie, kind of. <laughs> do you really? Yeah, I'll tell you off the pod. But uh, oh, yeah, okay, I would cool. love to have you guys back on as you're available more for uh, movies of this type, which I think both of those qualify. However, the big green might be what I use as my example of how to fail at this type of movie. <laughs> uh, my cousin had a, a double VHS pack that he bought. Like, you know, you get two tapes and they're like glued together at Walmart or whatever. And uh, mm-hmm. it was the big green and a kid in King Arthur's court. <laughs> like, Ooh. just what a sad state of affairs like that, <laughs> that gift was or whatever. <laughs> Was the kid who was in King, uh, Kid in King Arthur's Court, was he also the kid from Rookie of the Year? Yes. Yeah. Calvin of Reseda was, uh, what's his name? Henry Rowengardner. Yeah, that's oh, right. Henry Rabinboozer, but he's also an American Pie. What's his actual name? I, don't, I just know him as Calvin of Reseda. Yeah. Because Reseda is local to where I am. But yes, uh, Pappy, speaking of us doing podcasts together, maybe you can tell the listeners a little bit about spoilers and where they can find us doing more podcasts together oh shit well listen let's just say uh, if you are browsing youtube and then the gracious algorithm gods gave you the big dumb movie podcast after you watch three behind the scenes videos about this movie and, and you're, you're, you're stumbled across us you can hear all of our voices not just on this podcast sometimes but on a podcast called spoilers all the times Corey's on there. Um, we don't just talk about big dumb movies. We also talk about some sometimes good movies. Sometimes, sometimes it's Pat. Yeah, sometimes movies people pay us to do. Uh, if you want us to do a movie, you can commission it. Um, I don't know, Stevie. What else am I missing about spoilers? It's a fun time. It's a good vibe over there. 
it's the vibe of <laughs> the whole thing. It's the you vibe. Know? It's the vibe. So yeah, I would say definitely listen to spoilers. It's great. We're all yeah. one big podcast family, and we're happy that you're a part of it. I'll say this to people too: if you've been listening to this podcast and you've heard me talk about spoilers before, and you're like not sure, we do some serious deep dives into Lord of the Rings. And I think that's a lot of people's entry point to the spoilers podcast. I I know you're a Lord of the Rings fan if you're listening. Who isn't? We talk about Lord of the Rings and go way in depth into, so far, the first two films and the original animated film. uh, Seldom talked about elsewhere. So yeah, you can hear us over there talking about Lord of the Rings amongst many other things. Appreciate it, Kylo. Thank you. But if you, the listeners, want to write in, you can email us at bigdumbmovie at gmail.com, my Instagram, Big Dumb Movie Podcast. Follow us there. If you're listening on YouTube, leave a thumbs up, leave us a comment, do both, even if you don't listen on YouTube. The best thing you can do for this podcast, though, is leave a written review and five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out immensely. And uh, most of all, we just appreciate you listening. And I appreciate you guys coming on as guests. Uh, Really good time. Wanted to talk about heavyweights on a podcast for a long time. So thank you. And I think that's it. So play us out, Jackson.